0: Hey Augmenters, I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we know that great leaders have great mentors. And today we are joined by Kim Carpenter. She's an executive coach, an inspirational leader, and a person who knows that people need to be at the center. On
1: this show, you are going to learn how to connect authentically with others by learning the one key word that will help you immediately establish rapport with another human in any conversation.
0: I wonder what that would be.
1: We'll find out. Also, you are going to grow to your potential by being open to the possibility. I know it sounds strange, but be open to the possibility that you might not always be right. Correct. And lastly, the theme for this Augmenters episode is the principle of roadmap. Kim Carpenter will help you understand how to fill your backpack with experiences that enrich your Augmentering journey.
0: Kim Carpenter, we are so excited to have you on Augmenters today. How are you doing?
2: I'm fantastic. So great to be here with you. You're cooling off in
0: Austin a little bit. It sounded like it was a <laughs> hot, hot, swe- hot, sweaty summer.
2: It was a very hot summer, and yes, I think I. Uh, it's now 99 instead of 100 six or seven or eight. So we're, we're celebrating. I don't know. But you have really
0: good tacos. Doesn't that make up for it?
2: We have great tacos and it does make a difference. I've got to say. (laughs) If it were not for tacos, I don't know. Could I live here? Maybe not.
0: <laughs> totally totally relatable it's like for me it has to be good coffee as long as like any place has good coffee like we're going to be okay if not it's a, it's a non go but kim we're so excited to have you on you and i have had a couple great conversations and you are the ceo of an organization called people at the center and just the name alone led us to believe that you would be a great guest on Augmenters Mm -hmm. because we are also (laughs) about people at the center and creating these deep human-centric relationships. So we're going to talk about all of that. But before we get started, how we introduce our guests is we know that guests feel that a mentor is somebody who believed in them before they believed in themselves. So we'd love to hear who that was for you and what they saw.
2: When I think about a mentor, I think about my first mentor. And there have been several throughout my life luckily but the very first mentor i had was a college professor of mine and he was wacky and wild and the university of texas really i think wanted him out of there he was just way too out of the box unhinged for them (laughs) (laughs) and he would just encourage us to do wild things like you know, go outside and notice the quality of light and just really thinking about life and the world in a different way. And I remember the very last day of class, I walked in and there was a cardboard box on the table and I peeked in and there was just a ton of books. And he said, yep, yep, take one of those. That's a gift for you. And it was my very first self-help book and it was called Do It life 101 series just get off your butts like (laughs) what i thought my husband wrote that (laughs) (laughs) but like the butts like but like i want to do this but (gasps) i can't or i really am inspired Uh... by this but that's not possible so that kind of butt and i made my way through about half of the book and it was so triggering For me that I put the book down for several months and eventually picked it back up again. But he was that kind of person for me. And I stayed in touch with him after I graduated and was in touch with him at various pivotal points in my life. I got a divorce, you know, and I would just call him up and say, You know, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> my life is falling apart. Like, you know, <laughs> what advice, <laughs> what guidance do you have for me? And he would say things like, Like what are you passionate about right now? And um, I remember at one key point I said I'm really passionate about this thing called coaching, and uh, Mm. this was in the early 2000s, right? Mm. And he and I and I said, and I'm yeah, and I'm really interested in you know the development of people. And I was a manager inside of a big ad agency in New York City, and and he's like, well, you're never going to believe this, but I'm actually consulting for this organization called Coach You, and it was created by Thomas Leonard, the godfather of coaching and we're looking for somebody to help us like take our paper based curriculum and put it online and i was working at that time in, in advertising and, and digital marketing digital media and i was like i i could probably manage that project for you so i ended up getting certified as a coach through that being engaged with that project which totally changed the trajectory of my life so that mentor you know he was just he definitely saw me and he was curious about me. And he really inspired me to kind of own my brilliance and my light, you know, and definitely changed my life forever.
1: Wow. I I need to ask before we go too far, how did you stay in contact? How did you keep that connection after graduation? Like, I know you said you called him years down the road, but like, what was, what did that look like? You know, in the first couple years out of school?
2: Yeah, my boyfriend at the time was actually working for him. He was a commercial, the mentor was a commercial photographer. And so my boyfriend was working for him. So that was a really easy way to stay connected. Um, so we had, you know, this was before email and before cell phones. And so we had you to wrote call You wrote letters. You called call. on your landline. You know, yeah, on the landline. So I was invited over for dinner, dinner parties and things like that. So I was invited into this person's kind of inner circle. And I think that that made it really easy to bridge into a friendship relationship as well. And what did he teach? He taught commercial photography.
0: But also these incredible, like deep life skills about. Oh, yeah. He was
2: teaching commercial photography, but that's not what he was teaching. (laughs) So what he was teaching was like, (laughs) how do you become the human that that you really want to be or you feel like you possibly could be? And some students loved him. I loved him. Others, it was it was very, he was very polarizing, you know, because he was it was confronting to be like. What do you mean? Think outside the box, or think about what's possible. He would talk a lot about wonder. You know, he'd say, "Wonder is your soul's best friend." What? And cool. I what? I he right? was a
0: commercial photography instructor. <laughs> <laughs> wonder is your soul's best friend. This feels yeah. like one of those things where there's like a secret book. Like the title is, you know, like some love story, but like deep inside, there's like the actual like Mister. You know, it's like all the clues of you know, like it feels like you went for like one thing, but. When you open it up something completely different and like way better yeah. because they don't actually teach wonder is your soul's best friend class in school they maybe don't yet. i don't know maybe jimmy <laughs> there you go I'm giving you ideas yeah that,
1: that'll be the next course i propose it'll be a hell of a syllabus
2: <laughs> and so you said you did say kim
0: and i'd love to probe on this a little bit you said that you felt uncomfortable when you first like read the book and you oh. at first were like oh gosh like and so it feels like this, this mentor at the time was obviously being a professor and a mentor, and maybe this book also was, but you felt uncomfortable. How did how did that feel? And then how did it kind of come around?
2: Oh, I felt ex- extremely uncomfortable. I remember, <laughs> I remember being in college and you know, it's Texas. So we're sitting out by the pool in the summertime. Aren't
1: there two glorious, Olympic size outdoor swimming pools at UT.
2: <laughs> well, this was a private one at my apartment complex. But oh. yes, there are some amazing there's amazing facilities at UT. Hey, I- so, you know, but I was reading this reading this book and there was just a point where the pages were getting wet from the swimming pool <laughs> and getting crinkled and I just I was really trying to make it through this these chapters i just remember it was teaching the basics of meditation and presence and being in the moment and looking at your limiting beliefs and the thing the thoughts that hold you back and it was just so triggering that i had to put it down i was i just thought i can't <laughs> i can't absorb any more of this right now i'm not even reading the pages i'm just kind of sitting here pretending to read the pages so it was several months later actually i decided to move to tokyo japan with my boyfriend and teach english <laughs> and so it was like wow Okay, yeah, we're on a we're on a big journey and this is a, a, a journey, a really transformational journey in my life, and I, I need these life skills to help me actually get off my butt <laughs> and do it and go. You know, it makes me think about any type of growth experience. It's not comfortable. I don't know if, <laughs> if I should say this on your podcast, but there's a phrase called AFGO A F G O, another effing growth opportunity. <laughs>
0: Another fucking growth opportunity. I love it. Just
2: name it, right? Just name it because it's not comfortable. They're not comfortable. But on the other side of them, there is wonder and magic and possibility. If you told me when I was a younger person that I was going to be able to move to Tokyo, move to New York City and work in advertising and move to Canada, like I would just say, no, you're crazy. But having someone see in me that anything's possible. I'm capable of anything, you know, anything I could dream up is is extremely valuable. And I think that's part of what's so special about mentorship.
1: When you were thinking about all these places and all the wonder you could go, did you ever think that the company that would bring you to Canada would be called the vacuum? <laughs> <laughs>
2: did you manifest really that?
1: Just like, there's a strong pull that it was a
2: strong pull, just like sucking me in, <laughs> sucking me in.
1: <laughs> it's too funny, yeah.
2: The uh, vacuum was amazing, was an amazing experience as well, yes. And the website was vacuumsucks.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, the, the, the Canadians have some of the best names,
0: uh,
2: right? People. Great sense of humor. Yes. I was gonna say, but it seems like this really opened
0: you up, right? This kind of early experience, this person who was able to share this broad kind of idea of wonder happened to also give you this first opportunity to be to do a coaching training. I mean, how like talk about the universe just presenting like it's like maybe I should do this. Oh, maybe you really should do this, because actually this company needs exactly your skill set to be able to do it on like a consulting project that's bonkers that's like definitely you know the universe like putting things in your spot but you're open to it and ready for it something we know that we hear a lot with mentors who are working with mentees is that idea of you know as the mentor you're kind of putting ideas out there and helping the mentee kind of see them but they don't always see it right they don't always see how all of these things connect what would you say are some of the ways that mentors can kind of help nudge mentees towards this and maybe Ways that mentees can keep their minds a little bit more open to be able to see these kind of big flashing signs that are pointing you in a specific direction.
2: So love that you've that you nailed that because I think mm-hmm. that's exactly it. Yeah. So what are some of the ways? I think having bite-sized projects to dig into is helpful to be able to see. Oh, I can do this. You know, this is possible. And then I think it really depends on the personality of the person and I. work a lot in desk communication styles and behavioral styles. So I think about some of my clients who have a a more courageous style, like risk taking style and others that don't. So I think that as a mentor, you really need to look and see like, how far can I push a person's comfort zone? And do I need to give them little bite sized projects or bite sized tasks or go things to go test out in the world? to see, are my assumptions true about myself? Or, you know, is that just a limiting belief that I have? You know, can I actually do something bigger, do a bigger project or sink my teeth into something bigger? And I think a lot of this can just happen in conversation, when we're actually deeply, actively listening. And that gift of inquiry and curiosity, you know, like wonder is your soul's best friend, like when you bring that sense of, hey, I wonder if and what could be possible as a coach, I've got a whole, you know, toolbox of questions (laughs) that I could ask people. And sometimes when people say, I don't know, I'll say, what if you did know, (laughs) what would the answer be? And sometimes the answer comes more often than not. It's interesting. What if you did know? What would the answer be? Or how could it be possible, right? Something's not possible. Well, I can't see that as possible. Well, what would have to be in place for that thing to be possible, what? How could it work out? What would you need if you had this? Then it could be possible. What is the this? So You're
1: making me think, Kim, about those uh, glorious outdoor pools at UT Austin. Because as a as an eighteen year old Jimmy, I decided to go to a uh, school in Maine, and uh, it was snowing in October, and I remember being very cold, and my girlfriend at the time was in uh, New Orleans, and I said, I must be the dumbest 18-year-old in the world. I could have been at University of Florida, <laughs> Austin at pools, and I am freezing my tail off, and I should have asked, how could this have turned out better? How could it work? How could I be at a pool now? I never <laughs>
2: Exactly. Sometimes we can find indoor ones that are heated. <laughs> <laughs> A very good point.
0: A very good point. But I love that idea of I wonder. And I think that's something that has never come up for us before in these podcasts. I don't think we've had somebody bring that as like a tool for mentors but i think that is such a great place because of course the one thing you should never do is should with a mentee you know you should you should do this yeah of course like we all know that that's well not we don't all know but those of us who are thinking deeply about this kind of work would know that that's not usually the best word to use Mm -hmm. but i wonder is a really great tool for using that so i wonder if (laughs) Kim, you could share a little bit more about the kind of work that you do now and that you've evolved obviously from kind of this early time setting up coaching and then now working with all kinds of people. Can you tell us a little bit more about your what kind of work you are doing now.
2: Yes, I'm so excited about this work. I feel that this is it's an interesting circling back to the corporate environment because I've got to tell you like I, when I left to start my coaching business for um, many years, I said I'm not going to deal with corporate. <laughs> like that, you know, that was a difficult experience for we me. We can relate to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in, I have I company lot of jobs since 2009, so yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, Mine was
2: ninety nine. Um, yeah, and at one point, <laughs> you've been out. Jimmy for a was while. eight. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember working, you know, when I was a manager, leading people and and trying to use some of the coaching skills that I was learning with them, I was actually criticized by a manager who said, you're spending too much time, you know, sometimes you just have to fire people. And, you know, I strongly disagreed, I really fought to keep the people and help develop them, move them into different roles, perhaps, because they were incredibly talented people. And we it ended up working out and we were created an amazing team. And that team experience for me really is the like shining light, you know, the, the thing that I come back to, like, this is how team could feel for people when we're working together and we're able to dig in and mess around with the hard conversations and disagree and you know throw different ideas out and Work through to the other side of it and still like go grab a beer after work. It's incredible. It's a great feeling. And in that team, you know, we knew each other and we were at each other's weddings and births of children and things like that, right? So that human connection can be so healing and invigorating and extremely lucrative for the company when you have teams that are operating in this way. So people at the center really is about. How can we put human beings at the center of the, the developmental strategy for the organization so we're developing people so that the people develop the organization, grow the organization, achieve remarkable goals together that they couldn't do if the team wasn't as trusting and cohesive and connected. So that's what we're up to. And we start with working with the leaders, because it is about the people don't leave companies, they leave managers, right? So we start with trying to support managers to have more people-centric leadership skills. And then we work with the teams to further that and build the connection and teamwork and skills that create more innovation and rapid development.
1: Kim, you have actually... A quote that I, I have written down from you is about that conversation with your boss at that time where the boss wanted you to fire people. And you wondered to yourself, we're having too much fun at work. What's the problem here? I highlighted this uh, before we talked and I wanted to bring it up. So way not lead me right to it. Uh, <laughs> did you feel in that moment or could you realize in that moment that, you know, Some of the fun was actually it being such a productive team or or was you just like, hey, there's just like enjoyment here. Like, could you see that you were doing more than a manager? You were also mentoring. I feel like there's so much in that line about having fun at work, which is, I think, very, very foreign to people now. They're like, have fun working from home, but they're not having fun at work with their people. Mm -hmm. Can you, uh, you know, if I can use more jargon, unpack that a little bit? about like, well, what did fun mean to you then? How do you look at it now?
2: Such a great question. Thank you for asking me that. So we, we did have a team that was, that was friendly, right? And there was a level of real respect amongst each other. Like we really valued our, what we each brought to the table. And there was a lot of fun. And I was younger, you know, (laughs) I was in my early 30s. And, You know, most of the team didn't have children or didn't have a lot of other responsibility outside of work. And so I think that that can make it easier to hang out following the work environment. So we were having fun because we cared about each other. And we were also having fun doing, creating the work that we were creating. And I think not everybody gets to do that. <laughs> but when you work in a creative industry, advertising, digital marketing, we were creating really innovative, beautiful, interactive projects and things like the Metropolitan Museum of Art, you know, 3D, digital walkthrough experience that that was the first time that was being done. And, you know, we're working for different organizations that were creative in music and art and, and fashion and design. And so I think that. When you get to do the thing that you love doing, and that thing is being creative, that's fun. And then there's the basis side of that, right? Because we work for an agency, we work for a company. And so Mm -hmm. we need to produce art, (laughs) creativity, digital design rapidly. And, you know, it doesn't always happen immediately if you're trying to be creative. So there's, I think, this balance of how do we achieve what we say we're going to do, we, we gave an estimate. We're going to create this project by this time. How do we manage the relationships with the clients who are often C level executives who have stakeholders breathing down their neck to get whatever done? Because, you know, there's an ad campaign going out to launch this thing or whatever. So I think that there's inside of business, there's that tension, that natural tension of we're here to produce something, but we can also. Be here and creating together and so part of that's fun and sometimes it's it's not always fun you know sometimes <laughs> it's like it's hard and you have to have hard conversations or you have to have conversations about trade-offs with clients and and with your senior executives and things like that so
1: was it happening that you were like not just a colleague and a co-worker but you could like see oh yeah we are a friend i also have be on a social relationship. I have this mentoring relationship as well with this person where I'm excited when their pitch goes well for them, not just the company.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the person that I am. You know, I have a company called People at the Center. <laughs> so I, <laughs> the most important thing to me are the human relationships and I am you know, I have a high level of I don't know, rigor. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't, don't think those go
1: together. I don't know, rigor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm Like, what's the right word here? You know, high expectations, high achieving, you know, big goals, big dreams. I think to be an entrepreneur, you kind of have to be a little crazy. <laughs> right? You gotta You're also
0: be... in good company. <laughs> yeah.
2: <that> yes. <laughs> yeah. And so there it was an interesting relationship with my teams because there's this deep care for them as a human being. And there's also like, and we've all committed to getting X done by Friday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so how are we going to make that happen? Right. And it's my job. Like I'm accountable for that. You're responsible for your individual parts. But like, how do we how do we balance that? So it's like, yes, there's a care and I want you to succeed and I'm championing you and I'm celebrating you. And also like, wow, we've got to roll up our sleeves now and do the hard thing.
1: Do the hard thing, which I'm going to wonder is often listening is, is the hard thing. Have you found different or maybe kind of like, you know, they've evolved your, you know, deep listening techniques, your questioning techniques, you, you dropped a little bit on us earlier. Have they changed for you based upon either the industry or your role cuz like being a manager is very different from coming in as the consultant. You know, how have how have you seen that change?
2: Well, I think I've seen it change just because I'm really committed to being more adept at questioning skills and inquiry and active listening and it's a lifelong pursuit. And that I'm not a manager now but I now have a team of people that work with me. (laughs) And so I get to practice what I'm preaching, right? Like I'm teaching leaders and teams how to communicate in a way that, you know, will be more effective and produce better outcomes. And I have to do that, too. And it's it's not easy. You know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm so mad right now. You know, I'm so mad at this person internally. And let me let me use my skills. Let me process through that. Let me go. Okay, what am I making up about this situation right now? How can I be curious, like, and sometimes you have to walk away and come back to a conversation, right? We are human beings at the end of the day. And I share a lot about neuroscience in my coaching practice. And you know, we all have brains, we all have amygdalas, that get hijacked. That's and not trigger. Proven.
1: That's not proven. I, uh, that we
2: all have brains. Yeah, but. I can
1: show you some examples. That may maybe not.
2: <laughs> they don't all work exactly the same way, but we all have that's,
1: them. That's a better way to put it. Yes. Yeah,
2: and you know, and I have a husband and teenager, so <laughs> like I get to practice. Teenage
0: brain is a special, special place.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I too am a student. You know, perpetual, forever, lifelong student of this. And so it has evolved, because um, I've worked on it, and I'm still working on it.
0: That's what we all are, right? A work in progress. You get a beach day and hope you can do better than you did the day before. And if you didn't, then at least you can apologize, <laughs> move on. But Kim, I'd love to follow up, if you don't mind, on Jimmy's question a little bit about, and I think you and I, sort of jammed on this last time about being in the agency environment and kind of as like the early 2000s 99, like we're doing. And then now like with the virtual workplace and how many, especially in the agency markets, what have you, as companies are really just moving to either fully remote or, you know, very lightly hybrid, what are you seeing as, as a change? And are there ways that you're seeing teams connect potentially better or ways that they're connecting in this new environment?
2: Yeah, it's a massive change. And it's interesting, because I've always worked with hybrid teams. So when this thing came about, I was like, Oh, when I was in the, you know, the agency world, I was working for global organizations. So we would often have an engineering team sitting in India, or Russia or somewhere, and we would have, you know, the creative team here. And then we'd have this copywriter that would like fly in, and we'd have the TV, uh, TV commercial director, <laughs> would be in San Francisco, and he'd come to New York and shoot the thing or we'd go, you know, so it was, I've just always had that. So it was interesting when people were feeling so shocked by the change, because they were used to all sitting together in a, in a common office. And so I think that people are using technology sometimes well, sometimes not so well <laughs> to connect and with new tools like Zoom, um, like Slack, you know, Teams and other things that people are finding ways to have that camaraderie and fun interaction in different ways, sharing maybe more about themselves, sharing photographs or aspects of their personal life or, you know, funny GIFs or memes or whatever. I see more of that happening now that i think is connecting i see companies doing things that are intentionally creating more space for sharing you know so some of my clients they take the first couple minutes of a meeting and and go around and like how is everyone doing really you know like not just i'm fine (laughs) but (laughs) how are you really doing you know or like What's one thing that you're really grappling with right now? And and then having some follow-up conversations. And I think it's harder. I think it's harder to obviously, nothing replaces the human to human interaction. So I'm really encouraging companies when they can afford it to bring people together live at least a couple times a year whenever that can happen. And uh, I think it, it is harder. And I think it's easier to just be on the clock and go from meeting to meeting to, you know, virtual meeting to meeting to meeting <laughs> and try to get a bathroom break in there, you know, <laughs> for one minute whenever you can. Like, like it's it's tough. And, and I think I'm wondering, how uh, sustainable this press is you know the pressure to perform and produce and not have any breaks and then work spilling into home life after and weekends and you know people a lot of people are just not stopping working so that is a concern
1: and not getting necessarily as much done but they're working
2: that's right yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. So where's that trade-off?
0: And then the real question is where's the connection, right? Where is the connecting of humans that we're going back to where there was time where you went to drinks with your coworkers, like you were describing and you went to baby showers and you went to things mm-hmm. because you were all together. Like that, that connection while there's, I believe, I I think the productivity is, you know, sort of debatable because I do think there are, it is quite productive working remotely, but you're missing that connection. And as we're thinking about supporting humans and connecting more authentically with each other and helping them grow to their potential, you know, how, are there any other ways you can see more of these connections? And maybe it's even developing connections outside of your organization, within communities, just for ways to, for people to be able to connect more. Are you seeing any of your clients kind of finding ways that that's, that's working or being beneficial.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point about outside, you know, so how can you get together live with people that do work in your area? Or how can you even have just a virtual cocktail hour with some folks, you know, on zoom, I think that there's, I think it's more of a way of being than like Mm. an activity. That's what's coming to me, Julie. As you're yeah, as you're asking warm. me this, I think that you can bring connection in any interaction with a level of depth and a- attentiveness and that active listening and leaning in. I think you. I think it typically takes a little more time, you know. So yep. so how am I going to be like, wow, Julie? I I noticed your face just changed a little bit when I was talking about that. Like, is what's going on for you about that? Right? Like, just just
1: Take hit the mosquito, me. Julie.
2: <laughs> that <laughs> happened last time. There was a mosquito. Oh, there was a mosquito. A but I think that
1: you have to pay attention to do that
2: on your part. You have to pay attention you have to pay attention. And so one of the one of the blessings and curses of this, you know, Hollywood Squares Zoom world is that you can see everybody's faces if they have their cameras on, which that's another topic. But you know, then you can also actually see you actually notice, right? We're sitting around a conference room table, like you're not able to see every single person's reaction to whatever you're saying.
0: So, and if you're like dropping big news, and you're like, say it, and then you're like, okay, zoom out, then you're like, Oh, my God. <laughs> How's everybody? Yeah, Yeah. it's true.
2: So I think that what if we brought that quality of listening and care and connection, like intentionally, like I want people in this meeting to feel connected, connected to themselves and what's important to them and connected to each other and connected to whatever's being discussed. How might I run that meeting differently? Or how might what questions might I ask? that's my intention rather than, all right, we got 30 minutes. We got to get through this. Let's get it. Well,
0: and it's also <laughs> boom, boom, boom. like, what can I say? It's like, what's what I'm looking for. It's like also not being afraid of what the answer may be when you ask somebody how they're really doing, because you may hear something oh. that's going to make you uncomfortable, or you may hear something mm-hmm. that you are going to have to figure out what to do with. So yep. I think having that courage, that's what I'm looking for, having that courage as a leader or as a colleague or as a friend to ask that question and then be okay with maybe not knowing what else to say, not knowing how you're going to fix it or not knowing you know, exactly what the next right move is. And I think in mentoring too, same, right? You can really ask deep questions and maybe get answers you don't know what to do with, but you have to, to be able to show up for that
2: yeah and i think that oh you just i love that so much you just brought something in you know like as a mentor i don't think you have to have all the answers and i think that's what one thing that might keep people from leaning into mentoring is like well i'm not the be all expert mm-hmm. in this one thing and yeah, i don't know the everything time. there is a no yep. <laughs> right <laughs> in the whole world <laughs> and, and,
1: and that's okay it, it, it's so funny people are like, well how am i going to help this person this person wants to, I don't know, you know, play with alligators and, you know, I'm terrified of <laughs> reptiles. And it's like, well, you could still be a great mentor to this person. You don't have to be the crocodile hunter here. Like you just need to show up and listen to this person and be okay with the unknown a little bit. That's and, right. Knowing know where the relationship will go.
2: That's right. And I don't think we get enough experience in that in our lives at humans like i don't think we get that much encouragement to lean into those uncomfortable times so we think about our family structures and things right it's just like oh we don't talk about that you know <laughs> we sweep that under the rug we avoid any kind of conflict or confrontation and so i think that is a really critical skill for mentors
0: and also being wrong right because we go to school to try to be right and you want to get you know, all the answers, right. You're always just trying to be right and to have it all right. So yeah, you look good, <laughs> comfortable with being wrong. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm having so-, so I'd started doing some, I started playing a sport that I hadn't played before and I'm sometimes good at it and sometimes I'm quite inconsistent Today, I was like, oh. really bad. I was terrible. And I was like, what is going on? And I was just like, I'm never coming back. Like, if I'm not good at this, I'm never coming back. Because everybody's going to think that I'm really bad at this. And she's going to
1: take her ball and go home.
0: I'm going to take my ball and go home. That's like the story of my life. <laughs> and it was fun. It was really interesting today. I could hear that voice in my head that was like, but you have to get it right. And it's like, no, you don't. You're just literally playing this like for fun, like obviously not trying to go pro. But I think so many of us feel that that way that we have to have it right. It's a big deal. Yeah,
2: it's a big deal.
0: It's a big deal. And I think as mentors and especially as leaders, right, you feel like you always have to have the answers. So I love that.
1: Kim, I'm curious if we could in our time here, very briefly go through and Julie, you told me this is a good idea, but I really like your path to promotion.com. I'm on that right now. I have it pulled up and I was going to see if, how long you think it would take him, it would just be a couple minutes for me to see what my promotion opportunities are within Augmenters.
2: Okay, okay. okay. sure. So yeah, right. kind
1: of, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see how right. this goes, if this is bad radio or not. But uh, Kim, do you want to say what path to promotion, your path to promotion.com is, and then I can quickly go through it.
2: Sure, yeah. So the path to promotion is a free assessment where we look at different aspects of your work that you need to set up or create in order to be promotable. So I structured this around what I have discovered are habits of highly promotable people. And I think that oftentimes people wait to be promoted, or they're like, if I just do a good job, then someone's going to recognize me and promote me. (laughs) And oftentimes, we need to help others help the leaders around us to facilitate our promotion. We need to have conversations that are probably uncomfortable to have. And there are some things that we can set up just practically in order to be able to make that process hopefully accelerate.
1: I love it. Did you know that you made up a perfect Texas Draw acronym for Habits of Highly Promotable People? HOP, H-O-H-P-P.
2: Oh,
1: Okay. So I'm at the yourpathtopromotion.com. The first section is vision and purpose. I have four questions that I need to answer on a scale of one to nine. The first one is, do I have a compelling written vision for my life and career in the next five to 10 years? I'm going to put down nine. Julie's going to butt in when I'm wrong and lying. Number two is, I have a detailed written plan for advancing within my company. I'm going to say one, not very (laughs) written. Uh, my, my promotion abilities are low with Julie around. Three, I know my core values and how they align with my company's values and mission. Ten, I have a vision for my leadership impact and how I can contribute to others in a meaningful way. Ten. Okay, Julie, you get the answer for me now. Leadership presence. <laughs> I remain calm and grounded even in times of crisis or difficulty.
0: <laughs> Is it scale of one to Ten. Oh yeah. 3.75.
1: I don't remain calm or in cri- crisis or difficult. No, this is for me. You're answering for me. I know. <laughs> oh, I don't remain calm. Oh, okay. This is good feedback. I regularly model the way I expect my team to support each other. Yes. I give you okay. an eight. I give me an eight. Okay. I am extremely confident in my ability to be the leader my team as organization needs me to be.
0: Yes. Nine.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so awkward. Yeah. This is great. Others in the company at various levels call on me for leadership and guidance challenging God.
2: Now, Jimmy, this is a self-assessment. You uh, can't. Okay.
0: All right. That's 10. All
2: right.
0: <laughs> He's been waiting to have you on to ask all these questions. So yeah, it was just... This was his moment to jump in. <laughs> I'll answer
1: some of these on my own because there's four for each, and we have a couple more to do. But powerful communication is the next section, and uh, I have honed my feedback skills. I effectively give correction and celebrate accomplishments often. What do you think, Julie? Eight. Yes. Yes. Okay. Where did you come up? Because one of your pieces here is about communication and uh, the importance of that as a coach, especially in giving feedback that is uh, challenging to others. Uh, You even say on your website that we admit mistakes and take responsibility for everything in our purview because Say that's where true power lies. So I believe you're talking about admitting mistakes uh, Yes. When did that click for you as being yeah. an unlock to additional um, way to empower others by helping them realize that admitting mistakes is not a weakness?
2: Mm, great question. You know, if I'm honest, I think I really got that when I did the landmark forum. <laughs> and there's something about accountability and owning, you know, being the creator of your life. But, you know, I'm a total development junkie. So I, <laughs> I think it was that program, but it could have been a host of other programs that I've done. I saw it for myself. I saw that when I could give up being right and I could just really own what was happening and have a level of self-forgiveness for that, right? Like I did what I did, I didn't do what I didn't do. <laughs> and that's just reality. What is left there for me to really to really get you know, is that I, I own that, you know, I take responsibility for that. I take responsibility for the impact on others and myself for whatever I've done. That's extremely powerful.
1: Now, in a mentoring relationship, how, how can you help somebody understand that they don't have to be right? Because that's a different process when someone's kind of like maybe saying, I wonder if, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't have accelerated through the red light
2: so, your question is, how do I, as a mentor, how do we get to see, get someone else to see that they don't have to be right?
1: Yeah. How, how do you help that person realize, like, you know, being correct is not winning?
2: Right. I would ask a lot of questions about what's actually happening and what's the impact of what's happening. And there's a powerful coaching question that's what might you need to let go of? Right. So, I think that we are, Very attached to being right. In fact, there's some really incredible neuroscience evidence (laughs) around this. If you want to Google, you're addicted to being right. There's a, there's a really great article by, um, Mm. I believe Judith Glazer, who's, who recently passed away, but has amazing body of work. Around neuroscience and the workplace. So, we actually get a dopamine hit when we're right. We actually, it is actually addictive to our brains when we get to be right. And then the opposite happens for whoever you're making wrong. (laughs) You get to be right and you're making others wrong, right? So, that's an interesting thing to share with people.
0: Wow, that's huge. That's huge. I don't know if people would ever think of it that way.
2: No, I don't think we I don't think we mostly know about that. You know, I think we just think if you really think about it though, like how good does it feel <laughs> when you when you get to be right, you know? It's like, yes. I, I have conversations with my 17-year-old, and you know, sometimes he's like oh, I'm right about that, you know? And it's like this, ah, this arms in the air (laughs) champion feeling because it feels so good. Well, that's why.
0: This is a very good conversation for Virgo season. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not saying I have a Virgo in my life. Who's about to turn 21? Who? Is a triple Virgo? Yes. And there is a deep, deep joy of being right. So interesting. I hadn't thought of that before. But especially when it comes to mentoring, you don't have to be right just have to wonder and ask good questions.
2: Yes. And there's so there's actually a lot more power in that in many situations. Sometimes it's great if someone has the right answer and they just give it to you. <laughs> you know, it's like just go do this. I've been doing this for 50 years, you know, just go do this. That's that's good too. And I find, you know, I think that's the blessing in coaching is that mm. this isn't about we're not consultants. Because we have all the knowledge, you know, people come to us because we get to help them see what they already have inside of them, the wisdom that's already there. And if they, we could just, I, I think of it like peeling an onion, you know, we just like get those layers off um, your thoughts and habits around, you know, that keep you stuck. And you actually can see that you do have the answer. You do know, you can trust yourself.
1: And you can even trust yourself that you can improve. For example, I got my score back from.
2: Okay. All right. Okay. What did you say? Are you promotable, me?
1: This is amazing uh, seeing some of the dichotomy between Julie and I, where Julie starts going off on triple Virgo. What the H does that mean? And I'm like, oh, Kim just sent me numbers. Great. Okay. His engineer is excited. So uh, my commitment score of 18 says that I'm ready and willing to take the necessary steps on a breakthrough, which seemed good. So you gave me a little like, you know, push, you know, out of the net.
2: That That's good news.
1: <laughs> However, I have a whopping 62 points to improve to get to 200 out of 200 because I am 138 out of 200, which means I'm further along than most, but I could still work on it a little bit to be fully ready to be promoted. <laughs>
0: Kim, you'll have to come back on next year, or at least in the next uh, six months after we've done our official reviews and see how Jimmy has improved.
2: Okay. Okay. yes, I want to see the 360. I want to (laughs) know.
1: This has been great, Kim. Thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, letting me uh, self-analyze publicly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well or Julie Analyze, yeah, you, yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got pretty raw.
0: I can't wait for raw. our outro. We're gonna we're gonna deep dive on a lot of these things. We're definitely gonna <laughs> deep dive on a lot of these things.
1: This is a rapid fire. It goes really quickly. I'm gonna say four words. Whatever comes to your brain right away, please say. Verbal Rorschach's test. When I say mentor, what comes to mind? Gift. When I say mentee. Open. Open. How about sponsor?
2: Oh, are these definitions? Wait, am I doing this wrong? Am I right? Did there's, I do it right? No, am I getting it?
0: There's no way to be right. No, there is no way to be right. Okay. No right. Sponsoring
1: sponsor? right. I love it. Advocate. Advocate. And lastly, coach.
2: Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's okay. Yes.
0: That was awesome. Kim, thank you so much for at least opening my eyes a lot about the idea of being right and not being right and how mentors can really let go of that to be able to show up authentically for others. And uh, I think that's a huge aha as well as so many things you brought to us in this conversation. Thank you so much, Kim. We look forward to staying in touch and keeping people at the center. julie are you ready i'm born ready you know
1: afgo
0: <sighs> afgo always it's- another freaking growth opportunity so
1: is life life in the fast lane
0: i think it's a gift though don't you think i don't know i'm a dork that way like i really appreciate being stuck in the middle of situations where i'm just like this is painful I know I'm changing. I know I'm growing. To me, it's way better than everything being the same, everything kind of being okay.
1: So I kind of like Kim's approach here where I know AFCO is technically like a jaded term, but to me, I took it more as, hey, just chalk it up to another fucking growth opportunity and it's going to be okay. Hey, you're growing. Don't be so negative. Just do it and move on.
0: Just do it and move on. And I think that is really the role of a mentor, right? To help you see that like, right, this did not go how you thought it was going to go. You're in pain, you're uncomfortable, like, oh, you, this relationship didn't go right or this you know, opportunity didn't go right. But on the other side, there's so much growth. And so I think as a mentor, you can always see that. And when you are in the middle of it, sometimes you
1: don't. Life 101, get off your butts. Get into it. Get into your yes ands. Get off your butts.
0: Okay. But the one thing I really, really got out of this is the idea that you can be addicted to being right. Thankfully, I don't have that problem. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) Damn it. That's not the answer I want to hear, Julie. You do not. You're very good at admitting when you're wrong. But Being wrong.
1: (laughs) That's what you got to start with being wrong before you can admit you're wrong.
0: I mean, it's all just another fucking growth opportunity. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I never, ever heard that. Mm -hmm. And I do think that ties exactly back to one of our key themes of humility, which is what is so necessary for a mentoring relationship. So obviously, if you are addicted to being right, you are not going to want to have a mentor because a mentor might tell you that there are things you can improve on. So that's a really big one. And that actually is like, there's neuroscience around it. There's actually detailed research of the dopamine hit you get when you're right. Oof, That's a true. good thing. That
1: I don't do crosswords. <laughs> I, I do think this is a really great point that ties into one of our favorite quotes, which is, you know, all great leaders have great mentors, but not all great leaders are great mentors because there is this expectation, especially in America and in business about leaders need to be Right. And there are these continued conversations about, you know, leaders leave last, leaders leave from lead from the front, you know, leaders step back and listen. Whatever you want to say, it it's all about trying to say, hey, it's okay if you are not correct. You can be the first person to fail. You can let others go first and win the day. You can let others speak. But it, it's a really kind of a big topic, actually, about letting go about being correct and realizing you can win as a team and no one necessarily has to be right.
0: Exactly. And there's no one right answer. Like, there, I mean, I guess obviously if you're like doing a mathematical equation, <laughs> there
1: <problems>. you won't <laughs> get caught dead doing that, Julie. So you're okay. <laughs>
0: Most of the things I deal with, there is not one right answer. There are many right answers and there's lots of different ways to go about it. And I think not having this fixed mindset of I know exactly which way we're going to do it and everybody has to go in this direction. And this just, I think, acknowledging that neuroscientific piece of it, understanding why you want to be right because it feels good, and then being able to let go of it. I think this is like a really big A big thing because when you know better, you do better. So if you know that that's maybe why you're holding on to it, you'll come up with some other dopamine hit like jumping out of an airplane or riding roller coasters or becoming an augmenter. Becoming an augmenter. That's a great dopamine
1: hit. Seeing somebody else's success and caring about whether they are happy or feeling down in whatever their journey is, that is a huge dopamine hit. And there's no way to be right or wrong when you just genuinely show up for somebody else
0: that is one of the most profound things you've ever said jimmy at the end of this kim carpenter episode i love that that is a great reminder that is one of the best dopamine hits around is helping somebody else and a great way Mm -hmm. to close out this time that we had with kim i think she'd be into that
1: thank you kim augmenters
0: out augmenters out Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships want to tell them more jimmy
1: be an augmenter with us visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us share our podcast with someone you care about like and subscribe and yes really you following our show and writing a review it's a big deal your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya. Oh, 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 oh,